You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined every Friday by my main man, Derek Bell. Find us on YouTube.com slash Talk or anywhere you get your podcasts, and today, we're diving into the Steelers' offensive line. We broke down the series, starting with the defensive front last week. Dove into everything you need to know, want to know. This week, the questionable offensive line. But first, Derek, it's a beautiful day out in the Berg. Maybe a little too sunny these this summer. You never know. How are you feeling, my friend? I'm just ready to get to the weekend, man. We, we close. I got one <laughs> more shift at work. I'm ready to get to the weekend. Um, so far, so good, though. How yeah. we doing? How we doing? I'm chilling, bro. It was, uh, it was a good week. I got to golf for the first time all summer today, actually. it was. I woke up at like That's 6.30 so- in the morning, and I just had like a burst of energy that was just like, we have to go golfing. It was pretty beautiful. I sucked, but it was, it was a great day. Can't be worse than me. I'm the world's worst golfer. <laughs> I tell everybody, like, people invite me. Like, I got invited a couple of weeks ago to, like, go golf with, like, a bunch of people, and there was, like, former pit guys there. And I was like, I can't go to that. Like, what do you want me to? I, I'm gonna embarrass myself in front of everybody. That cannot happen. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I have such high expectations for everybody else on a golf course that I think that I immediately say no to people because I'm like, it's gonna be bad. Like, nobody expects how bad I actually am. But it's terrible. But all right, let's talk Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line. But first, first, I actually have to ask you this. It almost slipped my mind. I'm glad that it came back. Have you seen the petition to change Acrisure Stadium to quote unquote anything else? I I saw it on Twitter. I think it was last night uh, while I was at work. I checked my phone and I saw it. Yeah, I haven't you, signed it. I, I haven't I'm signed glad. it. I'm uh, glad. Do you would you sign a petition? How bad would the name need to be for you to say, "Yeah, I should probably sign a petition to get this out of here." Mm, I don't know. They would have to name it after like a hated like Ravens player or something like yeah. that. Like it would have Ray to be Lewis something Stadium. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I get the. I, I do understand. It's going to be weird with it not being Heinz Field for sure. I mean, that's what yeah. a lot of people, especially folks that are like my age. Um, you know, I went to a couple games at Three Rivers with my dad when I was really, really young. But Heinz has really been what 
I've kind of known, and I know a lot of fans feel the same way. So there's some sentimental value there, but I think it'll be fine. I don't even think we'll be talking. I think we're only really talking about this because there's nothing else to talk about right now, honestly. Yeah. And I think once the season comes around, I think um, if there is like a positive spin to it, sometimes like when new corporations take certain things over, you see kind of them want to put their own spin on some stuff. So maybe the new, um, you know, the new company, you know, will bring in some like renovations or they'll add some stuff. I mean, I think it could be a good thing. So we'll see. Yeah, I look at. I'm not upset about a name change, but I agree with you. That's a good point. The, the they should have waited until like the second day of training camp to and make nobody would have cared. Nobody would cared. We would have been like, all right, that's awesome, man. How many times did Kenny Pickett take first team reps? That's the storyline. You're right. That's a good. PR team needs to think about these things. They don't think about these things, but yeah, I, I do. Let me, let me ask this before we dive into the offensive line. I brought up where would the money go? Such a big deal. Am I crazy to say that Heinz field would be improved with a retractable roof? Mm. Retractable. You could still have the outside, but like if it's December What's and you're playing the Patriots, you don't have an advantage for Three, three feet of snow does nothing for anybody. At that point, yeah. close the dome. I ain't going to lie. I'm I'm a little bit of a football purist, man. I hate domes. <laughs> I do. I, I get – I, 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 all of them, everything. I hate it. Like, for example, so I went to the Steelers-Colts game in 2017. I, I went to games in the old RCA dome. I've been to Lucas Oil for different events, Final Four, Steelers-Colts. When you're in there for a football game, it don't feel like a football game, man. And it, the venue is beautiful. Like, we, we were there for the combine. Like, it's a beautiful place. Um, yeah. I just – when I'm in there and the game was starting, it just doesn't feel like a football game to me. Like, I want to be outside. So, okay. that's that's for me personally, I don't care about the Dome. Now, I understand, like, the logistics behind it with the weather. And I do agree. Like, I don't think you can argue that, like, you know – 25 mile an hour winds, heavy rain or heavy snow yeah. is good for is good for like the actual products. But I just I don't know something about like being at the stadium during those conditions, man. I just I, I personally enjoy it. I, I like it that it's a factor. But yeah, you're nuts. That's that's my only <laughs> I like the cold weather, though, too. So I'm a little bit different, even though I'm from, you know, Louisville, I'm a little bit different in that regard as well. I'd take cold weather over what we got right now every day. Nope. Last time I sat in the stands at Heinz Field uh, was, uh, I forget who they were playing, but it was December. We took the ferry over to the game and it was, it was so cold that I made a promise to myself that if I didn't end up in a press box, I would never attend a game after October ever again. (laughs) That's how cold it was. And then we took the ferry home and I almost died. Nope. I'm good. If it was me, every every stadium would be a dome. But again, you know, I'm put me on a beach. If I was, if we had to pick teams off of weather conditions, I'd be a Dolphins fan. So I don't, I don't know if I count. Different sides of the story here. All right, <laughs> let's talk Steelers offensive line. I, I'd say still easily the biggest question mark on this team. You could talk about their additions, their subtractions, whatever. Moves that were significant were made. I think more moves, not addition or subtraction wise, but more finding out the pieces to this puzzle 
will come in the next couple of weeks as we get as we get closer to the season as we start training camp. Overall grand scheme before we dive each individual piece. Do you think the Steelers gave themselves enough to have a chance to have a good offensive line this season? A good offensive line? No. An, an, a workable offensive line. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't I, I'm very I'm pretty pessimistic with the offensive line. The big thing for me is just don't be the league's worst like they were last year. I mean, you can't get much worse. I mean, people were saying that two years ago, but like they did pretty much nothing to upgrade the offensive line. But I don't know that they can go backwards from where they were last year. I mean, they were atrocious. And James Daniels is legitimately a good player. So I think from that perspective, um, I think they'll be a little bit better at least just off of that alone. All right, so that's where we'll start. What's the impact of James Daniels? Kevin Dotson took literally 15 minutes. He was the second person I talked to in the locker room the first time we walked into the locker room during OTAs, and it took him two lines to say James Daniels came in here. I mean, James Daniels is only 24 years old and asserted himself as the leader of the group. I think that was something that was huge that was missing last season when Zach Banner was the leader of the pack and he wasn't even on the field. Now you have a guy who's probably the best player in the group and is taking on a leadership role. What's what's the impact of James Daniels to this to this group? Yeah, I mean, Daniels a Daniels a really good athlete um who really is pretty strong in pass protection. So I think that um that really bolsters kind of that side of the offensive line. You know, he's also versatile, you know, he's played some played some center in his career in Chicago. He's played the guard spots. Um, you know, honestly, that that is really intriguing, too, because I think they've got some pieces that are kind of versatile. They'll have to figure out what fits best. Um, I think the expectation is that he's going to be the day one starter at right guard. So we'll see there. But, you know, I think he's a really good – I think he's a really solid, good player. I don't think he's like an elite guard or anything like that by, by any means. And I know guard is not really like a premier position for most people, but – um, a good pass protector, and you know that was something that you know they struggled pretty much in every phase uh, getting on the offensive line last year. So that's yeah. a good thing. That at least gives them one good player, which is one more than I think they had last year. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, very true. They, they had zero good offensive players or offensive linemen. Um, I think what I've learned from James Daniels so far is he's extremely intelligent and. He's way more like me at 24 years old, which was only two, three years ago, was still figuring out how to become an adult. James Daniels strikes me as like a Ramon Foster. My last my first year was Ramon's last year. Ramon was the most mature, intelligent person I spoke to outside of Big Al. But like he's a superhuman that doesn't count. James Daniels strikes me as that same guy that's just. He understands football so well, but he also understands what it takes to achieve things. Do you think there's any com- comfortability with him and Mitchell Trubisky? You think that's kind of just who cares? It's a right guard. No, I mean that. I mean that's that's a good thing. You know, you know, I th- I think there is something to that. Um, having that rep, you know, that repertoire, the um, the chemistry. I think that's already there. Um, how much that's gonna play into you know this year? 
who knows? I mean, we, we both think that Mitch is going to be the day one starter. Um, it's good to have people that you're familiar with, though. Um, and I think, you know, Ben used to always talk about, you know, the, keeping that continuity up front. Um, so I think Mitch and James Daniels having that relationship from Chicago is a good thing for sure. It's just going to take a little bit to get used to, um, you know, Najee's kind of running style, which is a little bit different, in my opinion, than like David Montgomery's. Yeah, yeah, I would agree on that one. And I, I want to touch on the continuity. Like we'll get we'll get through everything, and then because I think that's a huge part. Where and I think we agree on that one. All right, Mason Cole, the other new guy, comes in here, plays center. I like I didn't know anything about him until he got signed, and then I did a little 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 bit of research. You know, he's got starting experience. You seem to not be super thrilled or enthusiastic about the move. What have you seen from Mason Cole that we should expect? Yeah, I'm I am um I'm very mediocre, I guess, <laughs> not enthused about the Mason Cole um signing. Um mainly just because I think I even when I watched him last year, which was definitely I think the best year probably that he's put on film, um, from everything that I read and kind of saw working through it several months ago, like I just don't think he's a very good pass protector. And I think um that was Kendrick's bigger problem last year was in the run game, but he also, I mean, he struggled pretty much everywhere, but that's what I'm saying. Like Kendrick last year, I think there, no one would argue that he was the worst center in the league that was starting all year. Um, yes. Making that transition was rough for him. Um, and now it seems like they're going to try him at guard. Um, but I just don't know. Like I think Mason Cole's like a above, like average to above average run blocker. I just don't see it in pass protection. I'm not sure that I really. He's an upgradable piece. Like I think he's more of a like sixth offensive lineman than he is like a starter, in my opinion. If you want a solid offensive line, now obviously is, the Steelers are ways to go. I think before we're there, but is is he enough? Because he's going to start. He's going to be a starting center. Yeah. Is he enough think for so a too. season? I mean, again, the bar is like extremely low. I mean, Kendrick put it literally <laughs> on the floor last year. So I don't think that yeah. it can get much worse. Um, the question is, like, I think the money was a little bit surprising for him. Not that it was like just overly outrageous, but what they signed him for, it was a little bit higher than I thought, just given his like pedigree and, you know, um, level of play, I guess, too. Um, so the way the Steelers offensive line is kind of currently constructed, they just got a bunch of guys that they're trying to figure out if they're going to be a part of this, like, rebuild, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I think I think Daniels is definitely, like, the centerpiece, and then everyone else you're just kind of figuring out, like, all right, let's see what we got. Let's see who we want to keep around and who we don't. Because, like, really, they're not tied into any one of these guys long term. So... I yes, I agree with that. And that is how every single one of them is structured. I think James Daniels is a part of this moving forward. My only worry with Mason Cole is just that. Like the bar was set so low that anything's gonna look like an upgrade, but like what's an actual upgrade? You know, like it can't be like, oh, you're better than Kendra Green. It's like, okay, that's awesome. Chances are, like, you could you could start J.C. Hassenauer for 17 games. Chances are he's better than Kendra Green at center. It's just the truth of it. 
that shouldn't be the bar. I think the Steelers need to be a little bit bigger than that. If the rest of the group is clicking, though, can you overcome a mediocre Mason Cole? Yeah, I mean, I don't think this – and I think the expectations just need to be tempered in general. Like, if the Steelers aren't a bottom five offensive line this year, that's improvement. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but that's I think terrible improvement. It it is, but like at least you're pointing in the right direction. You've got a bunch of young guys, like you're pointing in the right direction. If you don't see like a noticeable improvement, then there's a problem, especially when it comes to like the center position, based on where they were last year. Um, really, the key, like I know center, kind of like any interior offensive line position, is kind of not a premier spot for most people. Um, the key with centers just don't have a terrible center because like defenses will figure out a way to like literally attack that guy. So just don't have like a black hole at center and it automatically makes your line like look better than it is. And they had a black hole last year. Let's just call it what it is. And this isn't to be like too harsh on Kendrick. He just, he really struggled. He knows he did. I mean, like it was rough to watch. Um, so I mean, I think that there will be a little bit of an improvement. I just don't know if he's like, I I think we're sitting here um, after the season and we're again saying like, okay, we could see like two or three new starters again the following year. I think. Yikes. That's yikes. That's a big yikes. That's a big, especially when there's other, like you have to draft a defensive end or find a defensive end next off season. You're going to need a middle linebacker. Chances are you're going to need a corner or some sort of corner. Three offensive linemen, another running back. And they've got a decent amount. And they've already got a decent amount of money tied into next year. I mean, like, it's kind of interesting because they have a lot of money. I mean, they've got a lot of money tied in next year already. Just off of, like, four guys. I mean, Minka, TJ, and Cam are all making huge money. Now, those contracts can be restructured so they can give themselves additional space if need be. But, you know, this isn't going to be – I don't think next year they got a lot of guys where they could head into the offseason with a lot of holes um, once again. But that's just kind of where they're at. I mean, they're in this kind of like transition rebuild phase. So I, I don't necessarily think that's – too particularly alarming just because I don't think the Steelers are like really close to being contenders again. So. All right. I don't, I would hope so, but I, I agree on that one. All right. So Mason Cole, let's jump over the other guard position. Kendrick green, Kevin Dotson. I personally think this is way more intriguing than the quarterback battle. This is like an actual competition that could, I think Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, you're going to get what you're going to get. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with either of them, at least not this year. Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green could decide the future of your offensive line. When you look at those two, who holds the upper hand in your eyes? Not necessarily in a will win the job, but more as a who's the better player. I think it's Dotson, mainly just because like we have proof. Granted, it was a really small sample size in his rookie season. We have proof of Dotson being an NFL caliber player. We don't have that right now in Kendrick Green. Um, now, Dotson obviously has an additional year on him. Um, but, you know, I think Dotson kind of is kind of similar to James Daniels. I think he's a little bit better in pass pro than he is as a run blocker. Um, but I, I really think him and Daniels could give them 
a solid guard tandem both this year and moving forward if Dodson's healthy and he plays like he did as a rookie. Um, I know he got off to an extremely slow start last year um, along with pretty much everybody else on offense. Um, And then, you know, he kind of got hurt and then we lost him for the season. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I want to see how healthy he is, how in shape he is come training camp. So I definitely think that he's got the upper hand. Kendrick's going to have an uphill battle in general because he's a guy that, um, you know, he was already small for the center position. Typically, when you have smaller interior offensive linemen, you move them to center, not move them to guard. So I know that's what he was used to playing in college, but he's going to be extremely undersized um, at guard. He's going to have to work on his hand placement. Um, That's going to be a big thing for him figuring out how to run block at this level. Um, so we'll see. I mean, he's going to have a lot of really good competition in training camp. You know, he's going to be going up against Hayward and Ogunjobi and Alu Alu, Liao, guys like that. So uh, I think we'll find out pretty quickly, you know, what he looks like at guard as opposed to what we saw last year at center. What did the Steelers – What I feel we've seen – we've heard nothing positive about Kendrick Green for the last year and a half. He's a third-round pick. How does that happen? Is it just a bad pick? It it was that athleticism driven. So like Kendrick's a really good athlete, but that's because you have to be when you're when you're that small, you have to excel like athletically. Yeah. And that's the thing. And to be fair, if you're looking for like a silver lining, I think like having a um you know, if if he was to play next to or across from, you know, James Daniels, that gives you two athletic guards, you know. And yeah. I think he's more athletic than Dodson. Um, but Dodson just has the size and he has just that he has the NFL level body, in my opinion, um, along with being stronger in pass protection. So I think that to me gives Dodson the upper hand. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I don't want to discount the how difficult it is to change positions in the NFL, too. Yeah. Like, I think the Steelers have done a disservice to some guys in the past with that. Um, cause it's hard to project guys into new positions that they didn't necessarily play in college very much. A good example of that on the defensive side of the ball was Sean Davis. Sean Davis played center or safety and corner in college at Maryland. And then the Steelers brought him in here preseason. He was playing nickel, which he had never really played before. Yep. And then they moved him to strong safety. And then a year later, they moved him to free safety. So in a span of yeah. like 12 months, the kid had played three positions. And Steelers fans are getting frustrated with him already because they have they look like bust. And that's because they're asking them to play completely different stuff, like techniques and places than they played in college. So you, you have to expect like you're going to go through a rough patch and you're dependent on coaching at that point when you're asking players to make those switches. I agree. If Kevin Dotson wins the job and Mason Cole goes down during the season, does Kendrick Green play center for the Steelers? <laughs> I think I guess he would, right? I mean, would you rather him be or JC Hassenauer? Because to... JC is probably going to stick around, even if it's yeah, on the practice. I mean, I imagine he's here. Yeah, I would be okay with either. I mean, I guess Hassanauer. I mean, you saw the difference last year in the final two games. Not that yeah. the offensive line still looked bad, but like bad. he was Dude, no, look, he was noticeably better than Kendrick was. Yeah, you, so you got to look at it like crazy that. How much? 
I don't want to use the word better. How much different the Steelers' sure. offensive line looked when J.C. Hassenauer and John LeGlue were in the starting lineup. It was actually yeah. mind-blowing. So let me ask that before we move away from the – I mean, I guess LeGlue plays across the line. I've seen him play center. Is he a dude that you could see make this team as well? Man, I I think my favorite game from him was that Baltimore game um... – the first matchup, man, he was he was fantastic. I I, yeah. I was I was getting hyped up over a couple of his blocks at the second level. So I mean, you can never have enough good offensive linemen. I mean, heck, heck, we we saw it last year with the Steelers, man. You can go down to your third, fourth guy relatively quickly. So, yeah. um, you know, you and it's hard too because every offensive line in the NFL, um. They're always looking for backups. I mean, we, we we just talked about the Steelers. We don't even know if they have five starting caliber players. Offensive line <laughs> is a is not a deep position in the National Football League. It's not like receiver where you know most teams have three to four guys that you know can give you something good on any given Sunday. Like it's not like that in the NFL at offensive line. It's like you're bare, you're praying for a decent starting five. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I could just, at some point this season, we're going to hype this up so much, just like we did last year. Like we talked, we convinced ourselves things were going to be just fine. And I didn't. I did. I was 100. I was like, Kendrick Green's going to be fine. Reminds me, he's wearing Marquise Pouncey's number. Everything's golden. Kevin Dotson's a stud. Zach Banner's going to play right tackle. Everything's going to be a okay. And then six weeks into the season, I was like, well, nobody should ever listen to me again because that was a terrible take. <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to do that again. But at the same time, I'm really, really trying to not look at this group and say, at some point, John LeGlue, J.C. Hassenauer, Dan Moore Jr., and Chooks could be four of the five starting offensive linemen, linemen with possibly Ke- Kendra Green being the fifth. Like, And that, that could happen. And it could at that point, you're terrified, but – Season's over. You know, there's nothing. There's no coming back from that. There's no coming back from that. All right, let's talk offensive tackles. Where do you want to? Where do you want to start? Both of them make me smile. <laughs> let's start. Uh, let's okay. start with. Let's start with Chooks. We got to start with Chooks. We'll give. I feel like Dan Moore's got some upside. At least Chooks could be a little depressing. You saw his deal. It's just like the rest of them. So, like, I'm not upset about the deal. I think I understand it. He's very athletic. He's young. He's got starting experience. Like, out of all the Steelers' options, I don't think he was the best, but I don't think he was the worst. Do you feel the same way? And yeah. Oh, God. Answer that one first. No, I mean, I, I do. I agree with what you're saying. Like, I – I don't think that it was like a home run signing, but I think that the way the deal is structured, which is it's basically a one-year deal. They can yeah. get out of it with very minimal uh, dead cat. And Chooks is, like you said, he's athletic. Um, he's a solid pass protector. Um, just gives you nothing in the run game. It is just not <laughs> physical. And that's just, that's not, that's not being disrespectful. He, that's just not his game. His game's built really on his athleticism, on his quickness. He just, there's no push with him in the run game so um he can get out in space when you ask him to do that and get on the perimeter and occasionally get to the second level um he's just not gonna be that guy that's gonna be like a road grader and create that um kind of push on the right side of the line 
can James is James Daniels a run blocker? I think he's a better pass protector than he is run blocker, but he's probably still their best run blocker if I had to if I had to pick one. Okay, so is it uh, is it is it negative for Chooks to be lined up next to James? Daniels? Is that like a, just removing because that's who you're going to try to run behind? Yeah, it's it's just. It's different because a lot of right tackles in the league, typically when guys are coming out, like your more athletic guys or your really good pass protectors, they normally play on the left side. Your guys that are a little bit better, you know, um, in terms of creating push against the run are on the right side. So Chooks is a little bit different in that regard. Um, I don't think it's a huge deal. I think him and Daniels on the right side of the line will be fine. I just – I just don't know, like in terms of like when you look at Daniel's deal, I think we're going to look at it throughout the season, even if he's surrounded by, let's say, Chooks is the same guy we've seen for the last two years. And then Mason Cole's like marginally better than Kendrick. I think we'll still be able to tell a difference with James and say like, yeah, that's definitely still a guy that we want here for the future. We just need to surround him with better pieces. I think we'll get to this point and or, you know, after the season with Chooks and we'll be like, yeah, I don't really want to pay this money for this type of right tackle. Like, I think, I think, I think I'll take my chances elsewhere, even if it means, um, you know, maybe you have to overpay a tackle in free agency, or maybe you have to draft one in the second round, or something like that, um, to start early on. I just don't see. I don't know that he offers that return on investment for the rest of his deal past this year. What does? I didn't. Ex, I I couldn't explain the move to put Chooks at the right side and Dan Moore at the left side when Banner went down or had a setback or whatever during the preseason. Does, I mean, Dan played right tackle in college, correct? I'm pretty positive he played the right yes. side. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So why would you not keep Chooks on the left, Dan Moore on the right? What is, I, I'm what guessing is it's, I'm, because, I think if I remember correctly, and this is, Last year, I don't remember them saying during anything. the preseason. I'm pretty sure they were working Dan Moore at both spots at some yeah, point, and was. I think, I think it was one of those things where maybe they just wanted one new piece instead of two. Because if you move Chooks and then you move Dan to right when he was working a little bit at left, maybe they felt like that was just gonna be too much on both of them. Because that's another thing I think, and not to say Chooks couldn't play left tackle because I think he's athletic enough to do it. Um, but the there is a difference. Like yeah, but there is a difference, too, in terms of, like, playing left and right because you have to think about it like a basketball player. If you shoot right-handed and yeah. you like to drive right and then you have to switch everything you're doing because your footwork's different, it's completely, like, inverted. So it is, like, I think it's more difficult than people, I guess a lot of, like, fans especially, like, think it is. But um, – do, do I think they could have put Dan at right and Chooks at left? Yeah, I mean, I think it would have worked out. I just, I'm not really sure why they made that decision, to be honest. No, me neither. But I, because Chooks started last, last year, the starting five at the beginning was Chooks, Dotson, Green. Who was the right guy? Oh, Trey Turner and Zach Banner. Then they moved Chooks over to the right side when Banner got hurt. I just, I mean, like, again, like, you're not going to do it. You're a year into this. You're just going to rock 
with what you with what you have. But do you think that that move would have made more sense if Dan Moore was on the right side? Yeah, I mean, without seeing, without because I wasn't at training camp last year, so like without seeing how he was working at both sides, I, I would have needed to see that to really know. I don't. I, I I'd have to go back and look too at like the preseason games. I thought Dan played really well in the preseason last year. Now, granted, a lot of his reps were, you know, coming on a second team. But you could tell that he was just because we had so many question marks, like the banner deal really never really made sense from any perspective. Um, But you kind of got the feeling after like Zach was still out or whatever and Dan was playing relatively well in the preseason. You kind of knew he was going to be at one of those two spots come the opener just because – he, he was earning it, you know, and that's the thing, too, like, which is kind of the theme of this offensive line. Dan's going to be 24 this year. So, like, we're he's another young guy. You got to see what he's got. Um, he got a ton of experience. He played over a thousand snaps last year. So um, we're going to get to see, you know, if he kind of takes a year two leap a little bit. Um, the only thing the thing with Moore, in my opinion, I thought he did do a better job over the course of the season, adjusting to speed rushers, speed rushers were giving him hell early in the season. Like he was giving up the corner way too easily and consistently. Um, The thing with him that does concern me though, I just don't know if the anchor is there to be like an above average left tackle, because even when he does get out of his stance, like his plant foot, like he can get driven back really easily. And I just don't know if it's good enough to be like, you know, somebody that you really want at left tackle for, you know, the foreseeable future. But I do think, um, I definitely think, I hope he's going to be better this year. Um, I'm excited. He's one of the guys I'm definitely excited about seeing in camp too. That's where, that's what I was going to ask is what are the expectations? I know you haven't seen him yet, so we have to see that and then we'll rehash this. But without seeing him in camp, like what's the ceiling for Dan Moore this season? Like, is it, I've, at one point, I'm pretty sure you were there when it happened. S- somebody told me, I'm again, I think you were standing right there, that they were told by a scout that Dan Moore is, at best, the fourth best offensive lineman on a team. Yeah, that was. I was That's talking not- to. Uh, I was talking to Brandon Thorne about that, that at the combine. Oh, you were the That's one that we were said that. About. Yeah, yeah, okay. we were talking. Yeah, we were talking about that, and. That's the thing. I do think that's kind of his ceiling is that third or fourth best guy on like a average to above average offensive line. And again, for a fourth round pick, that's not bad because you got to think about what we just talked about. It's hard to find offensive linemen in the league, man. So even if he is that, you know, upgradable starter type, I don't think that's bad for, for where they got him. I really don't think that's bad. It's all about like expectations. Like, in order for the Steelers, we we talk, I think you brought this up last episode, but when the Steelers offensive line finally was good enough around Ben, like during his prime, it was because of the investment they made. They took Marquise Pounce in the first round. They took David DeCastro in the first round. They took Marcus Gilbert in the second round. They got lucky and found Big Al was able to develop him. So like these guys, same thing with like Ramon Foster. They spent a lot of capital to get where they were. And that's kind of like sometimes football and like roster construction is easily explained in that regard. Like where your 
holes are on your team or where your weaknesses are is often where you don't spend enough capital. We talk about that with the corner spot for the Steelers. Everybody, you know, wishes, you know, from time to time that the Steelers had like a legitimate starting like number one corner, but they don't draft them. (laughs) They took one guy in the first round in the last, you know, 20 years. And then, you know, how many guys in the first like two or three rounds, like it's a select few numbers. So when you don't even take the chance, the drafts, you know, you know, obviously a lottery ticket, but when you don't even take the chance, it's hard. You're relying on strictly development and that that's not always a sure thing either. Yeah, very true. And you do look at this offensive line, third round pick, fourth round pick. Dotson was a fourth round pick uh, signing average third round pick, at least James Daniels. We'll call James Daniels a significant. I'll say that that's a significant investment, a three year, like $30 million deal or whatever he got. Um, But yeah, I mean, you don't, I mean, you don't have that. You don't have that guy to lean on necessarily. Um, And it's just how they've built their team. You know, they spend, they spent capital elsewhere through the draft. So, so before we head out, round all this out, can a quarterback like Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett mobile guys, Mason Rudolph will get smoked back there. Can, can, can they help fix this offense? You know what I mean? Like, is the offensive line good enough to say, okay, we have a mobile quarterback who could escape the pocket. All we need is a little bit of an upgrade. Is that a real philosophy that that could work? It does play a part in it for sure. Because like there were times last year where like, you know, what made Ben so great or what made him Ben over the years was like that ability to get through that first rusher. So like the Steelers were able to have bad offensive lines from like 06 to 2014 and Ben would just make the first guy miss and drag another guy and then be able to throw a guys in his face. That's not normal, but having a mobile guy that at least, you know, can move a little bit better, especially better than he could last year because he was banged up and he was 40 years old. Um, yes, I do think that that helps. The flip side of that is it's interesting because I was looking at this yesterday. So Kenny, I think is more suited to improve the offensive line play even as a rookie and i'll say this because kenny i think is a more effective drop back passer or will be come training camp than mitch is i don't think mitch if you put mitch in a shotgun and 11 personnel and ask him to just three-step drop and beat you even if it's the quick passing game i don't think he's that good i don't think he's that guy i don't i don't like him there i want mitch under center running play action i want him doing bootlegs I want him doing that stuff. As far as like a drop back passer, I ain't, I don't I don't like that. Okay, so, but the thing about Ben, Ben's had the quickest time to throw last year. So when offensive linemen are only going to protect for two point one seconds, that you makes your offensive linemen look better than they really are. So yeah, exactly. if they do go to say if they do go to Mitch and his time to throw is two point four or two point five that's going to make the offensive line have to protect longer. And it's going to be different. Like that's my thing is like, will they run all the quick passing stuff, even from shotgun with Mitch? I don't know that that's smart. I think Kenny can do it because Kenny did it at Pitt. So that's what intrigues me. Um, But they're both mobile enough to get out of the pocket and escape and make plays with their legs. So it's kind of give and take there. In my opinion, I think that Ben's ability to get rid of the ball quick, mass some of the offensive line deficiencies 
but I also think his inability to really extend plays anymore at his age hurt them last year significantly. Yeah. So, yeah, no doubt. But uh, you can't blame that on Ben. On like you can't. You said it. Yeah, I mean, you knew season. you knew he was forty going into the season. Exactly. So. Like you don't. You said it a million times. You don't rely on your thirty-nine-year-old quarterback to win a Super win Bowl. Games, and that's, they were like, oh, "Well, Ben's got it. No worries." Yeah. They still use that excuse. Matt Canada literally said that in OTAs or minicamp or whatever. He's like, well, when you have a quarterback like Ben, you run through Ben. And I'm like, yeah, Ben at 34, not Ben at 40. Yeah. Ben at 40, yeah. you run through Najee, and then you let Ben win games in two-minute drives. No. Yeah. Um, not One cl- question about Najee, then we'll head out of here. I Look, it, I was sh- – not shocked that Najee had 11, 1200 yards or whatever last season, but that it, it was only because of volume. He cannot do that again, obviously. You know, well, he's gonna, we both they're know. going to though. <laughs> we both know he's gonna, but it, but you know, it, hopefully, hopefully, he will not. If he touches the ball 250 times, do you have any hope that he could pull 1200 yards off again? Because he needs a better. At one point last season, he was averaging like three yards a carry. The Steelers were averaging like 2.4 yards a carry. It was atrocious. Yeah. It was just all yeah, volume. And I felt terrible for Najee. It wasn't Najee. He, as soon as he touched the ball, yeah. he was getting smoked. Like, yeah, can I mean, you pull that out? Is the offensive line that good? Like, is it do, – do, do we have that much of an upgrade? I mean, he finished fourth, I think, last year in rushing yards. But, I mean, 3.9 yards per carry is – you know, it's a good chunk below like the league league average. So not not great in terms of like efficiency. Um, it'd be nice if he could get out of the backfield without getting hit before That's what know, I mean. he reaches the line of scrimmage. Um, but I think the one thing with Najee, um, Nick's been talking about this a lot, and it's definitely something I agree with too. Um, Najee last year just had a little bit of a propensity, in my opinion, to bounce runs a little bit, even when he shouldn't have which was a thing at Alabama, you can get away with that a little more in the SEC than you can at the NFL because the SEC is fast, but everybody's fast in the NFL. So um, it's a little more difficult. So I think as he's got that more like more experience and he's got those NFL reps, um, I think you're going to see a better display of vision from him this year. Um, and I think he's going to be a better running back because of it. Um and if the offensive line is marginally better, that'll be a good thing too. But I expect yeah. Najee's going to be top five in rushing yards just on volume alone because they're going to run that man into the ground. So yeah, as long exactly. as he stays healthy, he's going to contend for it. Do I think that Najee's going to go like 16, 1,700 yards? I'd be kind of surprised by that just because uh, I don't know if the Steelers are going to be able to run the ball consistently enough or well enough to – run the ball for four quarters and like stay in games like that. Now, if they can, great. I mean, that's fantastic. Um, I'm good with that, but yeah, um, they need to run the, they need to run the ball much better. My biggest pet peeve last year, and I talked about it over and over. They have got to run the ball better against light boxes. Teams were literally putting six guys in the box and daring the Steelers to run the ball and they still couldn't do it. It was freaking pitiful. I cannot, if I see that again this year, I'm going to cry. I'm not going to lie. It's disrespectful. It was absolutely disrespectful. Imagine how many times Najee's got to touch the ball this season to hit 1700 yards, 600 times, probably 400, 600, 
600 touches or more to hit 1,700. He'd retire after the season. Your body can't take that. That'd be ridiculous. Ridiculous. Off the top of your head, have you ever seen a running back have like a like like that year? You know what I mean? Like just like a like a damn what a year by that guy with a bad offensive line. Is there any of that come to your come to your mind? Hmm. Uh like in Pittsburgh or just in general? No, anywhere, anywhere. Um Unless you got one in Pittsburgh. It's tough, right? I figured you might know out of anybody. Yeah, I mean, I as a kid, I used to like watching like highlights of like Barry Sanders. So like that would be a good example. Oh, like yeah. Barry Sanders get hit in the back. That's <laughs> yeah. a that's that's, that's a pretty special. Yeah. yeah, that was that's like the that's the example of that. It's like, oh well, Barry yeah. Sanders had the worst offensive line ever. It's like, yeah, Barry Sanders is the greatest running back ever. <laughs> a, a lot of my favorite, a lot of my favorite running backs to watch over the years were really um, when I was a kid. Like my favorite off or favorite running back to watch was Marshall Falk. So I, I love watching Marshall Falk. Um, in terms of like just running the ball, though, I used to love watching just the Shanahan schemes. Um, oh yeah, dude! Anybody I, Clint, can ran the ball in Denver. Clinton Portis, man, I used to I used to love watching Clinton Portis run the ball. Um, so he was yeah. one of my guys that I, I used to like watching run the ball. Um, I, I'm excited about Najee in year two, man. I mean, I, I think we we talked about that last year. I mean, we knew what we were getting with him. There was there was very little, I think, bust potential in terms of drafting Najee. I, I don't. We can argue all day about positional value and long term ramifications. You know, running backs don't get paid you probably shouldn't pay him after their first deal but um in terms of just being a good football player i think Najee is that i just want to see some help from the offensive line and i want to see the vision improve um and if those two things do then i think uh we'll be happy with you know whatever happens with his numbers or anything like that this year yeah i agree i look i got no complaints about Najee. never do dude works extremely hard took hits last year that i watched him take that i was like there's no way he's getting back up bounce back up like it was nothing and i was like all right well you know yoga man i should probably try that i hurt getting off the couch sometimes and this dude just got wrapped like a shoelace stood up like it was nothing so i'm all about Najee again or i agree there's no way that you could ever consider him a bust even at the positional value we'll dive into a lot of that in the upcoming weeks but all righty we're heading out of here thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk, and find us anywhere you get your podcast. Make sure to go use our promo code for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. And as always, like this video. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back next week. Peace. 